With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is the Field Goals Podcast. I am your host, Dana O'Gorman. Now, I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead a little bit. Yes, the Seattle Seahawks just played a fantastic game against the New York Giants. And yes, they have to turn around and face division foes, the Arizona Cardinals, this coming Sunday. But I will be not able to record the next couple of weeks because I am lucky enough to be heading to Germany for the Seahawks Tampa Bay game. So what does that mean? That means I'm skipping the Cardinals. Now, there's no disrespect, Cardinals. I realize it's going to be an interesting game, but I'm going to go ahead and skip right over that. Head to the Germany game so we can talk about that before I leave. So this week, I wanted to bring on someone who knew, who got it, who understands the European NFL fan's brain, and I'm so excited that he said yes. I want you to welcome my friend, and host of the Under Center Pod. Now it's Under Center with an R E because I've had people say they can't find it. That's because you don't know how to spell center, people. C E N T R E Pod, Under Center Pod. My good friend, Dara Mar. Dara, how are you? I'm not too bad, Dana. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I am so excited. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Under Center Podcast is a very popular NFL podcast in Ireland. And these guys go on every single week and have such a good time and just break down the NFL for everyone. But the fun thing about Dara, he's my fellow Seahawks fan right there. And so we have bonded over that. Dara, tell me, how did you end up an NFL fan and how did you end up a Seahawks fan? Well, the the NFL fandom sort of started with the Seahawks fandom. And and it's sort of, you know, we wouldn't normally get uh, NFL weekly games on over here unless you know you had uh well we call it a Sky Sports subscription more like like a cable subscription over there in the states um and we weren't not all of us were lucky enough to have that so um well the Super Bowl every year was on free to air television so it was on you would have a channel where you get to watch it and the first year that I sat down to watch the NFL the Super Bowl was actually Super Bowl 48 and that was of course that Seahawks uh, game against the Denver Broncos in uh, MetLife Stadium, and I looked into and obviously the the commentary throughout the game was all about Peyton Manning and you know uh, you know coming getting there with the Broncos and everything and you know I'm I'm a defensive guy I, I love good defenses and everything and you know obviously about the Legion of Boom and everything I was like and Seahawks were underdogs it was their first one since 2005 and they haven't won it before and I was like you know what I kind of I like this I like the sound of the Seahawks and then first snap goes down for a safety and I'm like you know what I'm feeling the Seahawks there on this and watched the whole game loved the fact that the Seahawks blew them out then watched it again the following year. And unfortunately, it wasn't uh, going to be the same result against the Patriots. And ever since then, you know, it's been a love-hate relationship. They <laughs> they love to make me miserable. And I hate that I keep going back to them every year too. So that that's sort of how it started for me. 
welcome to Seahawks fandom, right? Like all of us are at that point sometime with this team or another, no matter if you've been a fan as long as I have, you know, clear back through the 90s or a newer fan. And and I love that. Now, the fan bases in Europe are newer fan bases. They, they really didn't like come to be until... I'm not not saying that for everyone. Of course, there's going to be some who've been following American football for forever, just like in the States. We have people who followed European soccer forever. But the true kind of buildup of these European games didn't start until they actually started, you know, really bringing football there, which started clear back in like 2007. And and I remember even before that, they had um, some preseason games over there that came you know, with the whole NFL Europe and the American Bowl and all that stuff that started early early 2000s. But it really wasn't until they started bringing those games regularly um, to London and now Mexico and Germany. And they were trying for Canada. That didn't work out so well. Um, that really kind of this broader fan base tried started to expand. And it was it was very fascinating. Um, when When you think about the NFL... Well, let's be honest. Roger Goodell saw dollar signs. Let, let's not lie. Like he, we, he knew that this was an open opportunity to make some cash, right? It's Roger's job. That's what he does, right? So, and then it blew up so quickly after that. And now even more so after they have had Tottenham, when they built their new stadium, they made it very NFL friendly. Before that games were in Wembley, which is the NFL game I saw in London. And it was very fun too. But I'm going to tell you, Dara, I was overwhelmed when I was there at the sheer number of NFL fans that had grown so quickly in what, like a five-year span or something? It exploded, seriously. No, it did. It did. Um, Actually, funny enough, um, Ireland was one of the first places to actually have an NFL game. It was actually in 1998. Um, The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Chicago Bears had a preseason slash sort of exhibition game in um, uh, one of our national stadiums over here. It was more due down to the Rooney family and their ties with Ireland. They brought the team over and the Bears agreed to come over as well. Um, I which was that's so yeah. cool. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, coincidentally enough, and um, a current NFL coach, Ron Rivera, actually played in that game as well. Oh. Um, so uh, that's that's just that's just some little connections there we found on that. But yeah, with the NFL and in Europe, and especially obviously in the UK, with the three games this year, and you know, you, you could feel how much it was missed the last few years, obviously with COVID and stuff, and the fact that this year that they were able to come back and have full crowds again. I think the game last Sunday was a record crowd as well for Wembley too. It's just growing each each week. Uh, or each year, I should say, sorry. And now we're going to see Munich this year, which is going to be fantastic. Unfortunately, I'm not one of the lucky few Aww. to get the tickets. I'm so sad. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, the, it, the day that they went on general sale, I think it's a it's a 60 or 70,000 year stadium in, in Munich. And I think I was like 186,000 <laughs> in the line or something like that. So after about... 20 minutes in line. I, I knew my uh, my prospects weren't great for getting a ticket on that one. But um, look, there's plenty there's plenty of opportunities to see more Seahawks game in the future, hopefully. And you never know, they might come to Ireland because we are lucky enough here in Ireland that we actually get a, a college game every year. Yes. Um, so a very on. popular game too. That it, I know, I personally know four people who went over for that game this year. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Notre Dame game. The no, uh, no, that was that's actually next year. Is that year. last year? Oh, next that's year. Next that's year. right. Well, who yeah. played this year? This 
year we had it in Northwestern and Nebraska. That's right, Nebraska. They, mm-hmm. Yeah, they kicked off it, and um, Nebraska brought uh, brought over a fantastic crowd. Um, for that and Northwestern did too now as well and a fantastic game actually funnily enough the uh, card machine stopped working in the stadium during that day so they had to give out free food and drink to everybody for a, for a oh, period that's don't give Irish people a load of free drink you know what's going to happen so <laughs> but next year know. yes we have Navy and Notre Dame um, coming along so we're really looking forward to that game as well it's going to be a fantastic game um, but like that yeah it's, this now with, with the Munich game and you know, the Seahawks playing the books and everyone's saying that, oh, it's the books, it's Tom Brady, mm-hmm. it's that's why everyone's going. It's not everyone's going to want to see Gino now this time. I think with the season that we've had so far, it's everyone's coming to see Gino and coming to see Ken Walker and DK. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is interesting. So Germany, this obviously is the first year that um, Germany got a game um, and they it is in Munich this, this year. I think it's in Frankfurt next year. Um, and I don't know that everyone knows this or I don't know... I mean, it's kind of been talked about lately because I think the game is coming closer, but I don't know that all Seahawks fans realize this is a Tampa Bay home game. They were awarded the home base. And I don't know if ever. So the NFL awarded, this is terrible, countries to teams, basically, who were willing to bid for them. And they said, okay, this will be your home base. We'll sell extra merchandise of yours here. We'll do this, that, and the other. The Seattle Seahawks ended up getting Canada, which makes sense, along with the Vikings right along the border. Makes total sense. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs got Germany. I truly thought that was going to be the Germany game. I thought that would be perfect. Your two mega stars, two very good teams. Of course, now we realize in the season it would have been a blowout. But what is funny, and not all Seahawks fans realize, is the enormous size of the Seahawks fan base in Germany. If you look at a grid, the most popular teams in different countries, the Seahawks win Germany hands down, which cracks me up because this is a Tampa Bay home game. It is not going to be a Tampa Bay home game. They might have their flags on the field, but that is not going to be a home game for them. But the excitement I have seen out of the German Seahawkers and all the German fans to finally get a team a game in Germany and for it to be a Seahawks game. I thought the UK had a large NFL fan base, but oh my God, Germany, it shocked me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think realistically the NFL have just been waiting for the chance to get the Seahawks back over because um, like that game a couple of years ago against the Raiders, Normally, you would see in NFL London games, you would see a, a vast mix of NFL jerseys. They're just fans going to see the games. But it was a large Seahawks contingent at that game, which actually nobody was a Raiders home game as well, just like it's going to be for the Bucks in Germany. And the Seahawks fans always travel well, which which I love seeing as well. Um, and like that, with yourself coming over, there's going to be so many going over as well from the States, traveling them, traveling over too. And, um, yeah, it's absolutely, it, it's, it's so encouraging to see about, about hopefully maybe getting even more games. And I know that's not great for, for you over there, having to maybe having <laughs> no. to travel a bit more, but like, I would love to see a week where I know they're always trying to increase game weeks, but myself, I'd always love to see a week where all teams are playing internationally in one place, not w- like in various places. Sure. 
um, where all teams are traveling for one for one week. Um, and then if it is a, a, a Unora, like when they bring in the second bye week as well with that, if everyone has a bye week that week, I think people might understand. Maybe not. I don't know. But that's <laughs> that's just my idea. If 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 Roger wants to take it, all I need is about 12% credit on that. I don't mind. <laughs> it's fine. But uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's what we would love to see over here for right. sure. I, I love that they've expanded it a little bit more. I think that 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 gives some fan the the fans in Germany who maybe couldn't travel to London. London is an expensive city, and sometimes that prices people out. And so it it does give them a different opportunity to to go see this game. Now, before we move on to the Tampa Bay game, I want to ask you though, what are your thoughts and and the thoughts of people around you, people in Europe, about possibly getting a permanent team in Europe? Um, it it is mixed. I'll be honest. Um, sure. It is mixed with with people on how they would like it because it all the rumors circulate that it's the Jaguars that are going to come over and stay over with, you know, City Khan and obviously his ties to to teams, especially his son's ties to teams over here in London too. You know, I think it 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 would open the door to have more teams from other countries if there was say a Mexican team or we brought in a, a Canadian team I know it hasn't worked so well so far but the game is growing so much and the way and how I'm not gonna say easy but how how much better sort of transport and conditioning is now seems like the best possibility best time to sort of look seriously consider getting a team outside of of the United States and maybe if that is London great if like if Munich you know is far if music if Munich or Frankfurt or even Germany in general if if the attendances of that are great they might look into that too but mm-hmm. you know the way travel and everything is and the way conditioning for players and uh, is I think the I don't think the time has ever been better to really consider it right yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, there's a ton of logistics involved, and we understand that, and, you know, going back and forth and, and and understand all of that. But it doesn't mean that the want is not there. So it'll be interesting to kind of see if and how they can actually pull that off. Because I will tell you, these there are now three games in London, one in Germany. In, is there three games in London? Yeah, three games in London, one in Germany, and then one in Mexico. That's a lot of away games. So, you know, you just kind of keep – they've made it work so far, and they just keep adding too. So we'll see what happens. All right. So let's talk about this a little bit. I'm not going to lie, Dara, when I, this season started, I was like, Oh, I'm going to go to Germany for this game and we're going to get crushed, but I don't even care. Cause I was going to be there. It was going to be fun. It's a nice trip. And so, you know, it'll be worth it. Won't matter if we win because there's no way we are going to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady. And here after week eight, my entire world has changed. Every Seahawks fans brain has been flipped Tom Brady is not playing well. The Bucs have a lot of problems. And Seattle just seems to be grabbing the golden ticket every single time they play. My opinion has greatly changed. What do you see when you look at this game? It's it's much the same. Yeah. Um, you know, like that, coming into the season, there was no expectation. The only expectation I had coming into it was, I want the Seahawks games to be fun. I want them to actually be competitive and not to have blowouts. And, you know, these are this was one of the games you marked on the schedule and you're thinking, okay, look, this is a game that could be ugly. Just get it over with. 
right. take the just ball get it and come back. You know, just <laughs> just you know, just just take just take the hammering and just let's let's move on. But you like that as the season has gone on and we've seen how you know how sort of poor the the Buccaneers' offense have been, and you know they've always relied on a really strong defense. And you know their defense is is underperforming this year. They've they're having injuries in key areas as well, and um and obviously look, there's other matters going on when it comes to the quarterback that you know that can't help but affect his his game as well. And you know a big thing was and. I, and my own show, I called for it when it happened, is the head coach change. Todd Bowles came in. You know, yes, he was defensive coordinator. He was very successful at that at Tampa Bay. He was very underwhelming at the Jets as the head coach, you know, so much so they got rid of him. Byron Leftwich was this offensive coordinator guru that has worked well with Tom and who was meant to be fantastic and was in line for head coaching jobs. I believe he turned down the Jaguars job where he was definitely seriously considered for the Jaguars job before mm-hmm. he went for Doug Peterson. He was the one that I thought they would give and have Todd Bowles there to support him in the background. But I think that has been a really big factor as well. And and it's just, it's, it's not going to say it's been great to see, but you know, it hasn't, it hasn't exactly, <laughs> hasn't, yeah, it hasn't exactly been upsetting either. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You know, I I actually put a tweet out last week that I said, I hope that Todd Bowles doesn't take the blame for this because I don't feel like this is his fault. And, and, and I feel like while Bruce Arians is a fantastic leader, this team is a team that's full of veterans that should know what they need to do every week and should know how to handle Todd. I, I really don't think that Todd Bowles needs to coach Tom Brady. Maybe he needs a life coach to get him through the other things that are going on in his life. And that's totally fine. But I, I was really hoping that he didn't take the blame for this, but at the same time, coaching does matter. You're absolutely right. And the bucks have been so underwhelming. It, it is shocking to me. I, for the first time ever, I decided I was just going to bite the bullet, take Tom Brady as my fantasy football quarterback. His his last year, I was sure of it. This year, I was just going to take it and just bite the bullet and say, okay, I can then say at least once in my in his career and my fantasy football career, I took him, dumped him two weeks ago. Out he goes. No <laughs> one's picked him up yet. He's been a disaster. But it's not just him. This whole team is just completely underwhelming. Like you said, the defense, everything. And I think there are going to be some ways that Seattle can monopolize on that pretty quickly. The way the defense has played the last three games and the way Gino has played all season, except for possibly that, that San Francisco game, the strengths of the Seahawks seem to fit perfectly into the weaknesses of Tampa Bay. I'm actually going to be nervous watching this game where before I was thinking, meh, I'll just go and have fun. And I'm in Germany. This is going to be a stressful game or dare I say a not stressful game because the Seahawks just roll over the top of the bucks. That is just weird to say out loud. It is very strange. Now I know, I know from experience those German beers help with nervousness. So don't worry about <laughs> that. You. I think you'll be fine. I think you'll be fine with that. Um, but yeah, the the one thing that the books, you know, one of their staples on defense the last few years has been their the the running game and the fact that no team can run on them. Teams are running all over them this year. Mm-hmm. Um, especially look, we saw it on the Thursday night football, the Ravens just did it. Um 
like just thinking about Ken Walker, especially with the the backfield as well. If, if the amount of runs that he could break off against that Tampa that Tampa defense, and, and look, if fingers crossed that that boat. Uh, Tyler and, and DK may get through the, the Cardinals game and everything is still okay. You know, um, I think that they can really, they can really hurt that, that cornerback position too. And and like you mentioned, the, the defense for the Seahawks has been um, so much better these so last few weeks. Like I said, I am, I'm a defensive guy. I, I, that's what I wanted to see. And I spent the whole off season talking to anyone that would listen on the show or I, I'm my co-host saying the defense is going to be the, you know, the, the thing this year. And I was made to eat my words for the first five weeks and look, it's starting to work out better now this year. And like, even with the rookies coming into it, and it's just so refreshing to see the rookies like sort of almost plug in and play straight away with the two tackles and especially in the, like Tariq Woolen, I, I look, I watched back the game on Sunday. He was only targeted twice by Daniel Jones in that game. One of them resulted in a catch. The other one was batted away. So teams know not are know not to throw out Tariq already. Um, that's why Michael Jackson's getting a lot of action on that side, but he still fared up very well against the, the Giants last week too. And, you know, you look at like that Mike Evans and Tariq Woolen battle is going to be very tasty there in a couple of weeks too. I'm really looking forward to that. I was looking forward to seeing how the, the pass rush of the books would go up against the, the rookie tackles, but mm-hmm. their best pass rusher, unfortunately, yeah. Shaq Barrett went down on, on Thursday and he's not going to make it now for the, for the rest of the season, but there's still other good players there. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's great to see that uh, Seahawks defense and, you know, getting a consistent pass rush these last few weeks has been so important as well. Um, like Lieutenant Wosu has been a fantastic uh, addition to that defensive line. And um, Bruce Irvin actually just last week as well. The, the, um, the influence he had on that game was immense. And especially when Daryl Taylor went out early in that game too, hopefully he'd be all right now. Um, because he started to come into a good bit of form. Mm-hmm. I do have one issue with the Seahawks offense, and, and that's sort of how their red zone efficiency has been this year. They're mm-hmm. 31st in the red zone with uh, only 40% for their trips. And Gino's been great with the sort of long ball uh, touchdowns, which has been great. But when the when the field is is narrowed, um, he seems to be struggling a little bit. Now it got better. He, of course, he had that touchdown to DK on Sunday. So... Hopefully, if they make it into the the red zone, they're a bit more, mm. uh, a bit more efficient uh, against the Cardinals. But we'll wait to see. But yeah, it's 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 so weird to be so positive. Seahawks <laughs> <laughs> team, it's so like I was ex- half expecting to be, you know, maybe in a Broncos position, being three and five, and thinking, you yeah. know, look, this is what it was going to be, you know, and and everything, and being five and three and leading this division against, you know two games ahead of the Rams and obviously a game against the 49ers still have to play the Rams twice as well. They're not, they're not playing great either. We'll see what mm-hmm. they happens with the trade deadline, but it doesn't look like much is going to happen, but I don't know. It's, it's just been, it's just been great to see. And it's, it's, it's just long may continue. Yeah, it, it's true. You, that's a really good point about the red zone. I hadn't really looked at that stat. Um, I wonder if, and this is something that I, when, when we talk about that specifically, that, that touchdown to DK was a bullet 
And thank God DK wrapped that up. But did you see how fast and how hard he threw that ball? I'm almost wondering if he's bouncing it off people's hands, if he needs to kind of pull that back a little bit. Because at the time, I'm like, oh, thank God he didn't drop it. And that wasn't a dig on DK. We know sometimes he gets the drops. He's a little bit. But it was just because the ball was literally a bullet. And so sometimes I wonder about that. Um, and then, you know, Walker still being a rookie, we'll see how he does that, but that's a really good point. Um, so let's look at this division really quickly. So the next game coming up, obviously we have, um, Seattle in Arizona, which for uh, most Seahawks fans is a dreaded football game. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the score line. It has everything to do with that field. We have seen player after player after player, lost for the season due to that field. I don't know if the field's cursed. I don't know if it's because they roll it out and let it sit in the Arizona sunshine. I don't know what it is, but that field scares me to death. What doesn't scare me is the Arizona Cardinals, the team. Talk about probably the biggest disappointment of the NFC West currently right now. There was a lot of expectations put on the Cardinals at the beginning of the season due to Two new contracts, one for their head coach, one for their quarterback. Kyler Murray is supposedly finally going to get, you know, into his groove. Um, Cliff is Cliff, in my opinion. But they looked better this last week because they were playing. Um, they had DeAndre Hopkins back, which will never hurt a team, right? That's always a good thing. Um, but I still don't have a lot of fear when it comes to this game, are, are you worried outside of the, the field? <laughs> Cause we're all worried about that. Are you worried about this game? Do you think it'll be a close game? How are you feeling about the Cardinals? I, I do. I do worry with, with Cardinals games and mm -hmm. it, it's not a, a lot of said about the, their offense there, but their defense um, and the scheme that Vance Joseph has, has, has brought that um, defense with these, you know, Shadow blitz blitzes where you know they have everyone on the line, and then they it, it can be one of any seven that end up um, blitzing or dropping back, and you don't know who. And I think Gino had a bit of trouble reading that defense in the first game, but on the offensive side of things, yeah, look, um, Kyler has hasn't been great this year. Um, I think the issues that we are starting to see with Kyler is is ones that we kind of expected. You know, his inability to see the middle of the field, the you know the the need to sort of have the to go for the the sidelines, um, outside of the numbers, the the long balls, the the lack of running as well is strange this year with him. He he ha was one of those you know when he went on his feet, he was terrifying because you just couldn't catch him. Um, mm -hmm. But he hasn't been. Um, he, he hasn't been running nearly as much this year as he has in previous years. Maybe it's down to a new contract. I don't know. But with the Cardinals in general, this was something I kind of saw as well looking into the year because they lost a lot of important pieces on that team. Um, most notably, obviously, Chandler Jones. Um, they lost some very... Uh, they've lost some key pieces on that team, mm -hmm. but they didn't replace them. And they didn't... Uh, or if they did, you know, they're, they're good their standard lower than the level that they were at previously. Um, and I, I'm not too surprised by it. I, obviously that, that contract for Cliff Kingsbury is more questionable as the weeks goes on as well, Absolutely. because he hasn't started well. And that was his thing that he used to always start well, but then finish poorly. So when it gets to the second half of the season, is, is it going to flip? Is it, is it not? We'll see. 
Um, but you know, the Cardinals, the, the only thing that sort of really does going back to your original question, sorry, I'm sort of tangent. No, you're great. That's awesome. here. But um, yeah, the, the defense and, and the scheme is something that, you know, I, Troubled the Seahawks in the first game. They have in previous years. I, I like the way Fan- Mance Joseph sets it up. Um, that would be the thing that would worry me most about this game. Mm-hmm. Seattle has normally traditionally done well in Arizona. It's usually in Seattle that they lose to the Cardinals, but they flipped that this year. So we'll see how that they do. The rest of the NFC West, um, you kind of already brought them up. You know, the Rams are not playing well this year. Um, San Francisco... It, they, they seem to be very hot and cold. Um, they, they are having a, tro- a problem getting started, although that all could change now with Christian McCaffrey as long as Christian McCaffrey's on the field because that is a question every single year. You don't know how long he'll be there. Um, maybe he'll make it all the way through this year. I, I'm hoping for you, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, I don't want anyone's career to be marred with injury, but um, but I really feel like, and, and I read this great quote on Twitter that said it is a it's a, it's a two man race in the NFC West and it's not the Rams and it's not the Cardinals. And that, of course, I'm like, look at that, look at us in our bad year. We're doing so good. But, um, that really it is going to come down to San Francisco in Seattle and God, it just feels like old times again. Right. It will just have to see what Jimmy Garoppolo does there. The Rams, I think the injury bug has just hammered them so badly. And Matt Stafford, I think, is is injured at some in some level and, and is having a hard time playing. Um, but that's been a huge disappointment to call it a Super Bowl hangover, call it whatever you want. It's just it's just not working out for them. What if you had to guess? Do you think Seattle wins this division? Do you think that mm. they come in second, third, fourth? Well, definitely not fourth. I don't, no. They're definitely not going mm-hmm. to finish fourth. Uh, you would think the Rams are going to get things right. They're obviously panicking with the obviously with the news that they tried mm-hmm. to send two first-round picks to Brian Burns, and I don't know how they can send like first-round picks in 2021. Well, it's 10 years down the road, you see. Yeah, like, <laughs> 2031 and 2032 first-round picks right. to, for Brian Burns, you know. But, you know, the... They've lost again another team that have lost so many important pieces. You know, like mm-hmm. OBJ and Andrew Whitworth was such a huge loss retirement. Yeah. He was definitely the leader in that locker room for sure. And they've really struggled on the offensive line since he's left. You know, you would think they're going to get it right eventually. Now you're seeing that Cooper Cup is getting injured. Now he should be all right for mm-hmm. next week. But if he's not, if he reaggravates it, who knows? You know, there's no one else out really out there. What's the other guy's name? Ben Squanerick or something is his name. Is a, is a third receiver. You know, you don't want him to be wanting to step up. And obviously, there must be some issues there because it was it's Cam Akers that they're trying to get out of the team at the moment because he's having disagreements. And so, is there disagreements in that camp? Mm-hmm. Um, a big loss was Kevin O'Connell last year for them going to the Vikings for yeah. sure. Yeah, and uh, who was it? Wes Phillips. And then went over to be his OC there as well. He was a tight ends coach with mm-hmm. the Rams too. You know that. The, you know every year, like coaches or uh, OCs are picked picked from these successful setups and thrown as head coaches. And you know it do, has to have an effect at some point. And maybe that's what it is. On the 49ers side of things, their biggest uh, their biggest enemy at the moment is injuries. Yeah, And it's the same every year with the 49ers. Injuries is what kills that team. And you mentioned it with Christian McCaffrey. How long is he going to be on that field? Because you go to a team that is notorious for having 
key players injured at the worst times and bringing in a player who hasn't completed a full NFL season in the last three years. It's something, you know, that's not a combination that you feel too comfortable with. I like as great as the season is, I I still can't see them winning the division. Really? They, I still I can't. I don't know why. I don't know. Because we're Seahawks fans. We're used to yes. disappointment. <laughs> yes, we're used to we're used to something bad coming around the corner. Right. You know? Right. Um look, I, I I don't know. I'd love it to happen. Hell, if they get second spot in a playoff place, I'm totally um happy with that. As long as the Broncos like finish with a under 500 record, so we still get a decent draft pick out of it too. Yeah. I'm totally happy with that as well. Um, but yeah, I just wonder. And and then, then that's going to be an interesting question too. If they do finish in the top two, even the top three over 500, it's going to be so interesting to see what they do at the quarterback position the next year. Do they keep Gino, give him another deal, let it roll and use those picks on maybe defensive players or maybe use a later pick on a other quarterback and let him sit beside Gino for a year or something. It's going to be so interesting to see as well. I know. So many questions. I think I think we'll have a little more clarity probably come December is what mm-hmm. I'm hoping there. And uh, you don't have, I keep, I keep checking my phone because um, we are recording right in the middle of the trade deadline. So, but um, I think our outlook for the Denver Broncos just got a little worse for them as they just traded Bradley Chubb to the Miami Dolphins. So that does nothing but help us Seahawks fans. That does nothing but help us. So, so so they're going for the tank as well. uh, Hmm, Interesting. uh, It's an interesting. I'm sure Russ is delighted. And that's the topic for another day. All right, everyone. Dara, thank you so much for joining me. I love your perspective. I love that it's just a little different than American fans because you have, you know, the perspective of being clear across on the other side of the world. Tell everyone how they can find you because I love your podcast. I love what you guys bring to the table. Um, It's just such a good time. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time today to, yeah. to speak to you. And um, I hope you enjoy Germany. I'll, if I can get oh, if I can find a ticket somewhere, I'll be over there in a heartbeat and awesome. we'll be enjoying that game for sure. But um, if anyone is interested and you want to check out the podcast, we you can get them wherever you get your podcasts. You'll search under center podcast, like you mentioned at the start, C-E-N-T. Or E. That's the way we spell it over here for center. Um, you know, so that's how you'll find us. If you want, um, you can follow us on our social media side of things. Uh, Twitter is at under center pod again, T R E at the end of center. And um, you'll find us there. And um, we're on YouTube as well. So if you want to watch the podcast, we do a, a, a show on YouTube there too. Same thing. Just search under center podcast. And that's where you'll find us as well. I love it. You guys are such a blast to watch. All right, everyone. Dara, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it. All right, everyone. Now I'm going to be out for a couple of weeks. I got some traveling to do, but the Field Goes podcast will continue on. Of course, you can still watch Dan Veen's every single week with his post-game show and his pre-game show. So make sure that you don't miss that. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Bye-bye.